Thank you for listening to Draw Near with Fred and Kara. We have a very good friend of ours and a regular guest, I think, on the show. You've kind of become a regular. Uh, (laughs) Sister Fidelis Marie. Welcome, sister. Thank you. If you don't know sister, you need to. (laughs) So (laughs) go back and listen to all of the other episodes. It's easy for all of our listeners to do. Just like go grab coffee with sister. Yeah. 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 Or go back and listen (laughs) to the other episodes. But then you're going to get like phone calls <laughs> i'd like to get to know you yeah. <laughs> great i love that um but we invited sister on here because fred and i have kind of been wanting to take up this topic for a while um just the topic of the human person and like how we treat one another in the world and in the church and um we think the one of the best people who can speak into this is sister she's kind of our guide on this i feel like you're low-key our spiritual director <laughs> so, <laughs> even though you're even though you're not but you are yeah. um so you've you've always spoken into that for our lives but also mm. i think you have um a unique perspective one as a spiritual director um i know you know ignatian spirituality is is very fond in your heart and then you have experience with the theology of the body institute um so i think just the human person and the dignity of the human person is something that you could really speak into so we're very grateful that you're here to do that with us mm-hmm. uh, and get into this discussion that's kind of where i want to start though <laughs> okay <laughs> is is um the dignity of the human person, because a lot of the topics we are going to talk about today, um, not that they're subjective, but they might fall into the gray area of the church teachings. Like there is morality in the church, there's black and white, and sometimes there's like dark gray, you know, we know it's the black, we know it's, we know it's closer to um, what's good. And I think before we really get into some of those things, it's good to just establish the foundation, like what is the dignity of the human person? What is the value of every person? And so can you speak a little bit into that with your experience with uh, the the Theology of the Body Institute? Sure. Yeah, I'll try. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think the biggest thing that's affected me lately is this idea, or not idea, like this truth that humans are um, created in themselves as like it's a pure gift. So like we're gift freely given to others where like creation and animals, like there's kind of like a subjectivity to humans in a way, but how the human person um, is a gift in itself. Like it, they have their own self-awareness and this kind of dignity that no one can take, but that you can give yourself to another as a free gift. So this recognition of like free will and like even the Lord, like allowing the person to choose um, but the, the dignity is so deep in the person that, um, they, they are, are a gift to be given to others freely, but that other people mm-hmm. don't grasp at that. And like when we grasp is kind of when we, um, treat someone in a way that's not dignified, that like kind of strips that from them in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I think dignity of the human person, like it goes back to Genesis when it says like he created man and woman in his image and likeness. So it's like how I would like to approach every person. I'm not going to say that that's how I do, although that's the goal, uh, is the dignity found in God. Like, how do I approach God? How, what's the love I have for God? What's the opinion I have of God? And if every single person is created in his image 
and in his likeness, like, shouldn't we approach every single person in that way? I think so often what I find, whether it's in the church or just the culture as a whole, is like we approach the people who think the same as us in that way. And and then we like think it's easy to think negatively or treat people different who don't think the same as us. So I think that's like a challenge uh, in a good way. Like what we should be striving for is all people are created in image and likeness of God himself and have that dignity and regardless of it, of what they think about us and regardless of what they think about religion and Catholicism and God, like they all deserve to be treated with that dignity. I like that you did, you, you did point out like a gift freely given. Every person is a gift. I think when we hear dignity of the human person, we tend to limit that to uh, a pro-life sort of message, Was it, mm-hmm. which isn't a bad thing. Yes, the, that is at the heart of dignity of the human person and the pro-life truth, you know. And it's also like theology of the body, Kara mentioned that it, it's also not limited to our sexuality. Like you're a gift for each other yeah. beyond mm-hmm. just that way. Gift to each other and a gift to God. Right. That's something mm-hmm. that we talked about in our I Believe in Love book study, actually. It was like, I think it was in the Eucharist chapter. Like when you receive the Eucharist, it's pleasing to him and you're you're giving yourself as a gift to him. But I think it extends beyond just like when you receive the Eucharist. It's just in general, like you are a gift to God. And because of that gift, like he gifts himself to you, you gift yourself back because of that. You're able to gift yourself to one another. So it's just a very beautiful um, like cycle, you know, that he's given us. Yeah. But Kara, the people that... I disagree with and that annoy me don't feel like a gift to me. You probably don't feel like a gift to them either. (laughs) No, but what's what's on the outside and what's happening on the outside isn't always what is going on on the inside, you know, and I speaking of St. Therese, like that happened with her, you know, the old grouchy sister who she had to roll back to her room Mm -hmm. didn't see Therese as a gift to her and Therese probably didn't see her as a gift to her, but like in that relationship of sacrificing and denying um, herself, St. Therese herself, like she put up with it. She brought her back to her room. Like God sees that intention. He Mm -hmm. sees the interior life of that and the interior gift. And on the outside, it might not look like something, you know, supernatural or just this, this great gift, but inside he's like, you know, thank you for doing that. That's, that's a great gift of love right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think even too, like, I know for me, something that I can struggle with is like this possessiveness. So even in the idea of like, not just like being possessive over friends, but like almost like being possessive of how how I think someone should think or like what I think they should say, like that I have this right to say like, well, you're not thinking like I think. And like, even like their their thoughts, their emotions like that is all gift in the sense of like I have to receive it. I can't control yeah. it. So yeah. mm-hmm. and like in the ways that I try to control how someone thinks or what someone says, there's like a grasping in that. And again, like the Lord is calling us to like a freedom of like re- like receptivity. And like right. can mm-hmm. you accept someone um where they are and like that is accepting them as gift and like loving them where they are Mm -hmm. versus like I have the right to like change your mind or or tell you how you should think and like kind of forcing yourself on someone versus like receiving them I feel like I struggle with this like 
letting other people be a gift to me, like letting other people love me well. So mm-hmm. I think that also Sorry. goes to <laughs> I, you too. Yeah. <laughs> so that is. Yeah, I just right. give a hearty we're, amen. No. <laughs> this is just a room full of people. We're terrible and people love us. <laughs> but that kind of goes really? to the same like like let other people be that gift to you, mm-hmm. um, which I'm not good at. But he wants like uh, that's what God's given them to us for. There's a whole. Um, I don't know why I keep going back to this book. It's just kind of where I'm at in, mm-hmm. in life because I'm reading it. But there's a whole book on on that. It's called Fraternal Charity, like loving amongst yourselves. And we get that from the love of God. So mm-hmm. letting people actually love you well and be a gift for you. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> but sister, like thinking about what Kara said and what you said, like in terms of seeing the dignity of the human person and other people, even when they disagree, is there some, like how does culture and our wounds and our experiences shape whether or not we extend the dignity of the human person to others yeah that's a loaded question (laughs) because culture is different than wounds yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. i think it's also like our perception of what does love look like Mm -hmm. you know um and in the in those moments like can i recognize like my own woundedness and like how i might want to respond to their woundedness i think almost we have to like recognize like if I'm not going to be able to treat them with dignity in this moment and kind of be like, well, they're wounded and this is clearly, but can I like first recognize like my own woundedness and like the inability to love them well? Um, I think that our culture sometimes like wants us to look at the other's flaw or like the other's weaknesses and like put that on them. Like, well, clearly like they didn't have enough of this or that, but sometimes we have to see like, our own brokenness first in order to like meet someone where they're at. You mentioned that uh, it goes to, well, how do we understand love? I feel like the culture plays a huge role in, in how everyone understands love, you know, for people in the church, it's easy to see the cross and understand love as sacrificial. I should, I shouldn't say easy. Cause I don't think everybody um, in the church actually knows that and that's a shame so god loves you love is sacrificial he sacrificed himself for you um and that's the reality but especially for those who may not hear that or may not be in the church like love is uh influenced by what the world says love is and i think the world says love is you know how another person makes you feel um and that's not always the case like they don't always make you feel amazing but you still choose to love those people Um, just like you said, what if what if they don't like you? Well, they, they still uh, we still choose to love them, and so right. I would say the culture uh, plays a huge part in our understanding of love, which definitely plays a part in how we treat other people and the dignity that we see in them, or potentially the the dignity that we don't see in them, um, even though we should. I would also say that um, I think the culture, like how it can impact. The way we treat people, like the way I see, I kind of see it from a point of like, what can other people do for us? Mm-hmm. I think that's what the culture, I guess I shouldn't say, I see it this way. Mm-hmm. I think the culture lives in a world of like, what can they do for me? And mm-hmm. so it's almost like there's not dignity in a person, but there's a servitude in that person. Mm-hmm. There's um, uh, like the friendship of utility. Mm-hmm. You know, we have uh, a uh, episode on virtuous friendships and one of them is friendship of utility. Like what can they do for you what can you do for them i almost feel like that's kind of the human to human interaction that is so prevalent in our culture is like 
this servitude. So rather than seeing them as a person with feelings and a need for love and a need for rest and a need for, you know, respect and dignity, like we see them as like, well, this is your job. This is what you're going to do for me. This is, you know, and it's so um, servile, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it comes back to that, like, like, it, like you're saying the utilitarian, like the use of another person versus yeah. like, I I would like to receive this from you, but I'm going to only receive it in a, di- in a disposition of that receptivity that like, mm-hmm. if you do something for me or serve me, it's not an expectation I have, but I only receive it as gift. And so, yeah, just that idea of like, again, are we using people or are we like receiving them right Mm -hmm. and do we love them even if they're not giving us something right like we can they still have uh they still have a purpose in the world and in our life even if they're not like immediately giving you something like you still love them well it's interesting like you started by talking about theology of the body and jp2 the opposite of love is use Mm -hmm. you like we want to think it's hate but it's actually use yeah yeah or even like I think sometimes our culture equates like loving someone with agreeing with someone. Like if Mm -hmm. you love me, you're going to agree with me on everything. Um, Tolerance. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. it's like, can, can love go beyond that, that I can love the person despite if we, whether it's like agreeing on topics or just even agreeing on like little things, (laughs) daily things. um, Right. Can I still love despite that? Right. Mm. Okay, so with that, like we're talking a little bit about how the culture has influenced us, but also, you know, this idea of like fraternal charity and love towards one another. So I want to kind of get into a little bit of the like questions that Fred and I are curious about, (laughs) about how to love others well. So what is the difference between gossip and venting? And I feel like a lot of times it's like, oh, I was just venting. But like venting also has... Right. has the the possibility of being unhealthy as well. So mm-hmm. like what's the mm-hmm. difference and what's the limit, I guess? Yeah. Great question. I ask myself this all the time. <laughs> 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 um I'll just speak from my experience and what I've kind of found is um just like anything like what is your intention? Um I think there are healthy proper outlets for venting like who am I venting to and what's the reason behind it and what's the quantity details like, you know, how long am I going to like vent for, you know, how much of Mm -hmm. the character of the person am I going to go into? Um, So I think venting can be healthy to be able to like process something. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think it's like how, how often am I doing this and, and really like what's the intention behind it? Is it Mm -hmm. also to then like speak badly about someone versus like this situation happened, this person did this and made me really frustrated. Like I want to vent to let it go versus like I want to vent to like simmer in it and like just get angrier and then like let someone into the situation because I'm quote unquote venting and it's okay. But Mm -hmm. I'm really just like gossiping about the person. Right. I can see that. Like mm-hmm. uh, in the intention, is it to bring other people to a place where they also are as outraged as I am? And, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, yeah. or do I need like verification that my feelings are are accurate and like like it's okay that I feel this way and I don't remember if it's um if it's an imitation of Christ or where it is but it talks about like how we shouldn't care about what other people say about us but we just care about what God says about us and I think sometimes the the um, inclination to vent or to gossip like can come from a place of 
I need other people to agree with me as opposed to just relying on like if God sends that affirmation that, yeah, you're you have some righteous anger here. Like you were right. Uh, if that makes sense. It does. I, I, I'm, I'm hearing another fine line in what you're saying to Kara in that we need validations as human beings. Mm-hmm. And sometimes like we get that muddled with our opinions, our outrage being validated. Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And like, so maybe, I don't know if this is true, sister, what do you think? Maybe like the healthy venting is for the sake of getting it off my chest, being validated as a human person. Yeah. Or like, join me in my anger. Like, you know, those are the two, I don't know. What What do you think? Yeah, I think if it's like, come join me as I rip this person apart verbally right. versus like, I don't know how to love them well and this situation happen and like they're just really a challenge for me but I'm doing Mm -hmm. this because I want to let it go so I can love them better and so like Mm -hmm. in order to do that I need to feel like seen because I wasn't seen by them and like can you let me know if like what I'm sharing like if there's anything I need to be called out where it's like more of like a learning kind of process to let it go and love them better versus like I want to bring someone in in this quasi-confidential thing to really just like yeah have someone hop on my anger train and like get angry with me mm-hmm. but like yeah. yeah again like is the purpose because I want to be able to love them deeply and I need to I kind of almost for me at least I try to use like in my head the word like processing like my venting has to be processing it's mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. if I look at it as like venting in the past I think is when I've crossed lines to like it's just becoming gossip and like simmering in the situation versus like Mm -hmm. okay I need to externally talk this out so that I can let it go so Fred used the word healthy venting is that what you would then call healthy venting if you're processing it yeah I think that's how I've kind of been able to set the boundary not that I always do it well but in my mind I'm like okay I need to externally process this with someone I can trust Right. So that the purpose is I can let it go and love them better. And there's probably like a limit on that too. You Mm -hmm. know, when you say someone you can trust, that's like a spiritual director. You should be able to go into spiritual direction and like, you know, share or vent as we're saying what is going on or a situation that you're really struggling with. Or if you have really close friendships, you should be able to go to those people. But if you're, if every single person you encounter that day needs to hear this story, right. you know, that's <laughs> crossing the line to unhealthy venting. Yeah. Yeah. That would be like, yeah, yeah. the like the amount of times, like if I did it to one person in the morning, like you're saying, Kara, like then every other good friend I'm going to see, I'm going to be like, by the way, you know, like, yeah, why am I continuing this? You know, why am I letting this be drawn out? And also, am I bringing it to the Lord too? Like, I think he always has to be in there. I don't think it has to be just isolated to him because he Mm -hmm. wants to like, Fred is saying like for us to be validated through incarnationally through Mm -hmm. someone else. Um, But I think like also to ask myself, okay, have I like prayed on it now? Like, (laughs) have I processed what, um, like taken to prayer what happened after I vented to someone or do I just keep going back to it and being like that wasn't enough I need to keep thinking about it Mm -hmm. right well and the key has to be too are you able to um, internally examine your intention Mm because I think sometimes I struggle with this and I'm sure other people struggle with this like 
I might think, well, it's just healthy venting. Like I just need to get, I just need to process this. But really that might not be my intention. I'm like, no, I need to be validated in this moment. So right. what you think is your intention isn't actually your intention. And so I kind of have a, um, a challenge. If you don't really know how to distinguish it, ask yourself, the person who you're talking to, what if they disagree with you? Like mm -hmm. what if they think you were in the wrong? Does that outrage you does that make you angry with the person you're talking to and if it does then your intention was to be validated your intention was to be told your your feelings are right which is not what which is not necessarily why we should be venting because then it's not processing it's needing validation you know what i mean yeah. so like to see what your intention is is what if they don't agree with me am i okay with that and if we're like yeah i'm okay if they don't agree with me because like i still feel like god has affirmed that Maybe he hasn't, but yeah. but maybe if God has affirmed that, then you really are just trying to process through it and love that person better as opposed to just having someone agree with your feeling. Yeah. And I think another mm -hmm. big thing that I can only speak for me, like I'm Italian and I get fired up and I get super passionate. <laughs> How much between the interaction and the venting can I give it a little space? Like does the moment happen and then right away I seek out a friend or a sister and be like, I can't believe this just happened and da 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 right. Like, am I coming right out of the emotion and right away seeking to like tell someone about this terrible thing I think that happened? Or can I like yeah. sit with it a little bit before I like seek someone out? Because I think right. if our immediate thing is to seek someone out, like that might not always be healthy. Um, right. versus like yes. sitting with it first and like being able to kind of come down from the moment and then like seek someone out. I think our intentions are more um, defined in those moments versus just acting out of like the impulse of the emotion. Mm -hmm. So maybe the first person we vent to should be the Lord. Mm -hmm. I, I think I see a lot of truth in what you're saying and the person we vent to needs to be someone we can trust. And Kara, I really like how you articulated it. What if they... We need to be okay with them not agreeing with our venting, right. you know, yeah. but I think as people that need to vent sometimes, I think there's a value in those kind of friendships that we should strive to have in our life where we can in a healthy way vent and it doesn't go beyond that. And so like, I think of oftentimes Kara is the first person I vent to other mm -hmm. than the Lord, of course. Right. And Kara has a habit of showing me the positive or the benefit of the doubt in like, like turning it around and like, you know, well, maybe it's this and it's like, oh, you know, it, yeah. you need those kind of friendships yeah. in your life, you yeah. know, and it starts by being that kind of a friend to yeah. others. Mm -hmm. Being that friend, but also like you said, you know, maybe the Lord should be the first person you vent to. I feel like a lot of times that isn't my first reaction mm -hmm. um, is to go take it to prayer that I'm struggling with. It is very much to go and like either talk to BJ, talk to Fred, like talk to somebody I trust and and half the time, maybe more half the time, I'm just <laughs> wanting them to agree with me. So, mm -hmm. you know, in sharing this, like I know my intentions are not always pure and so it's not always healthy venting. But even in those situations where they might agree with me, they're like, oh yeah, I can't believe that happened, blah, blah, blah. I'll go take it to prayer after that and God will be like, what are you doing? Like, why <laughs> do you, why do you need to share this? And so it's God who I should have gone to first who's helping to calm me down and like center me back to like what we're striving for in holiness and charity towards other people. Yeah. And I think like not to let ourselves off the hook, but like in a place of gentleness, I think like 90% of the time we'll probably go to someone first because 
yeah. just of like our vocations or where we are or like we are around people or um we desire relationship yeah and interaction but i think it's like important to say like at some point i have to like bring god into this to have him speak truth as well so whether i mm-hmm. process first with like my spouse or a friend but like can i also allow him into this space too um yeah. and i know mm-hmm. i don't know about the listeners out there but i know in the past or even sometimes now like I might just have a friendship that's purely like that's the foundation where it's like we just vent and that can be really toxic um, and hard to like break if it's like the only reason we come to each other is like to complain about people. Um, So Mm -hmm. I think like Fred, how you're sharing how what Kara does for you is like when you have friendships that are are real grounded, like holistically, then someone can speak in opposition into that moment and we can trust it. Because it's not just one-sided all the time. It's not just like kind of like a friendship of use. Like I only come to you when I want to complain about someone. And then you can mm-hmm. like affirm that and then you take your turn. Come Well, this also happened to me today, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of with this. Okay. So if we can lump like we've established, you know, between gossiping and venting. Within venting, mm-hmm. what's the difference between just like processing and getting it off your chest versus crossing that line and being uncharitable? Yeah. I think it's how I describe the person, at least for me. Like, am I attacking yeah. their character? Am I? Can I be factual and like say, like, okay, in this moment, this person acted like this towards me, versus like mm-hmm. she's judgmental and she always like speaking in very mm-hmm. like general, like kind of like wanting to like one. Do I name the, who the person is? Can I be okay mm-hmm. with like not saying who it is? Um, mm-hmm. Like how, I guess it's like, how much do you want to kind of bring them down almost, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Versus like is the intention to tarnish their character almost. Right. Mm-hmm. And to like, yeah, have someone see the negative in them versus like, I'm going to try to find something positive about this person. Or would I be okay if the person tried to speak positivity into it? But I think, right. yeah, when you're trying to like somehow diminish like the virtue of the person or their integrity, mm-hmm. I think that's when, like when you're trying to attack someone verbally in the process yeah. versus like, okay, this was a moment of like weakness for them. And I recognize that's not like who they are. But if I'm like yeah. taking this negativity and like naming them as that and then wanting to like spread that and be like, don't make sure you don't talk to her because she's just you know, a backstabber or this or that, you know. Right. I I think what you just said is exactly what we tend to do. We label people with Mm -hmm. those negative things rather than their dignity as people. And that's what we see first. And we don't see past that. Well, he's also a human being with real hurts, Mm -hmm. real struggles. He's been through a lot. And we don't extend that same grace that we we expect ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I don't know. I, it's something I'm, I've am i been kind of it's been in the forefront of my mind and heart lately. It's just that struggle with, but for the grace, so, go, so go I. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the dignity of the human person. And just because I'm at a particular place or think I'm in a particular way or have particular thoughts, it doesn't mean that I'm somehow better or more loved or more special than another person, whether they completely disagree with me or not. I don't know. I, I, I guess kind of what I'm getting is what do, what role does evaluating the intentions of others and our practice of empathy, like how does that shape our own interior life? Yeah. 
Someone once told me this a long time ago, and I was like, that's stupid. I don't agree with it. But the more <laughs> I've sat with it and the more I've grown as a person, I'm like, and the more I've done like spiritual direction, I'm like, this is pretty spot on often something in, and you've probably heard this often, something in another person that you struggle with or makes you angry is something actually that it's a trait that you have, that you have a hard mm -hmm. time with, with yourself, loving yourself in. And I mm -hmm. think the empathy we can have with people is like, can we look at, because at least for me, most venting or gossiping happens because of like a negative encounter. Right. Um, so it's like, can I take a minute to like evaluate the situation and like in a spiritual direction lens, like in an Ignatian lens to be able to say like, what about that moment bothered me? Mm -hmm. Like, was it the tone of their voice? Was it what they said? Like, why did that bother me? Like, can I identify like ultimately what's causing this anger or frustration or hatred like or like that I feel the need to like explode um, and have to talk to someone about it? Because if I can identify that most likely that might be something I'm struggling with with myself or like someone inflicted a wound in that. So I think only out of that like self-reflection can we then maybe have empathy towards the other because we're humanizing mm. things we're art we're humanizing ourselves and like recognizing our own like their action hit a wound in me and if i can recognize that then maybe i can act empathetic knowing like okay there must be some wound in them that made them treat me this way right yeah i feel like this is something that i am striving to I don't know, grow in this element of my interior life and my spirituality is just like, I know it's, you know, the, the cheesy golden rule, but it's in the Bible. So it's not really, <laughs> um, but in Luke chapter six, treat others, how you want to be treated, mm -hmm. but that says treat others, how you want to be treated. So the question that like I have is, okay, but what if they don't treat you like that? Would you still treat them how you wish they treated you? And I think so often you know, that's something that we struggle with. Like if somebody else disrespects us, you know, has anger towards us and we're unsure why or gossips about us, like our reaction is to do the same to them. Mm -hmm. um, whereas the challenge in our, in holiness and what we're called to is, no, we need to still treat them with love and dignity, even if you know that they're not doing the same for you um, in their own life or publicly, uh, we need to still be charitable towards them and love them. Yeah. I feel like Jesus doesn't give us a choice. No, he doesn't. I mean, we have, <laughs> we have free wills. So right. He does, but no, he doesn't. Well, I mean, yeah. Sir, yeah. Good, good point. Theologically, uh, correct me. Thank you. You're right. <laughs> I mean, we have a choice. It's, it's thy kingdom come, thy will be done or my kingdom come, my will be done. Yeah. We do have that choice, but his words are clear. Like, love one another as I have loved you. And he uses the strongest word possible for that, yeah. agape, and yeah. love your enemies and bless those who mm -hmm. persecute you. Right. He says, what good are you if you only love your friends? Even sinners love their friends. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. At the heart of that kind of is the dignity of the human mm. person. It and is. the dignity that God has given you. you. You can't love God and not love people. Right. You know? Yeah. And I think the, at least for me, the only way I've grown in this is by being able to see the woundedness in the other. So like I studied mm -hmm. criminal justice um, while I was in college and, you know, you hear of these like horrific crimes and, you know, these people who have done just terrible things. And then often like you read about their childhood and you're like, yeah. oh my gosh, like 
the amount mm. of like trauma or abuse that happened in their life. And there's like this like quick movement of the heart towards like, oh my gosh, I feel so like it doesn't justify what they did, but you can like hurt people, hurt people. So it's yeah. like the only way that I can move towards this like loving someone is almost like, can I see through the eyes of Christ? Can I be able to look beyond their imperfections and weaknesses? And for me, like the only thing I've found that moves me the most is like, can I recognize their woundedness and want to like move towards compassion towards them? Yeah. Mm. I like that. Um, hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. And I think every single person has experienced hurt in their life. Um, so in order to like stop that cycle and have charity, you know, growing in the world, we have to step outside of our hurt or see Mm. the good in the hurt that we experienced and what God wanted to bring out of it so that we can stop and not Mm. keep that cycle of hurt. Yeah. Going towards other people. For me, it's it's almost been this two-step process. Well, maybe three. Calm down. <laughs> Calm yeah. down. Can I reflect? And maybe through this like venting processing, why this bothered me? Like mm-hmm. almost like make it like um, internal first. Like they did this and it bothered me. Why? Like can I just take them out of the situation? Just look at the situation. And then in that, can I identify like why this interaction bothered me that I want to now speak ill of them? And once I can identify that, then I can almost look back at them with love and say like, I wonder why they did this. Like what is maybe happening in their life and like be able to now look back on them with love. But it's like I almost first have to tend to myself and let Jesus tend to myself to know like this inflicted something in me and now I want to inflict it on them. But if I can tend Mm -hmm. to my wound first then I can like seek out what is their wound and almost like want to love them in that now. What role do you think our willingness to be vulnerable and authentic with each other plays in in helping each other to understand better this dignity of the human person? Yeah, big role. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like the vulnerability and authenticity requires a level of like, responsibility for myself and my actions to be able to say like you did this and it hurt me but I I need to like claim that hurt and know like what that is Mm -hmm. um and like to be vulnerable with you means I'm gonna like take responsibility of how I'm gonna like interact with you and like what I'm gonna share that I'm not just like blaming everything on you but realizing like okay, what am I bringing into this relationship or friendship or encounter or acquaintance? You know what I mean? Like that it's not just one-sided, like they did this Mm. to me or I'm going to now treat them this way. But like, can I come with all of myself and like have the ability to take ownership of my actions and my wounds? And, um, And in that, then like, I think there's a level of like, I can be vulnerable with you now. But I think there has to be like an element of safety. Like we can't be vulnerable right. if we don't feel safe. That's so, what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. people will use that against us. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think there yeah. is like healthy boundaries that come in place. Like if someone just continues to like treat someone badly, like it's okay to have the recognition of like, okay, this is where they're at right now um, versus like 
yeah, I'm just going to like let myself be treated this way all the time mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. like, okay, I can see they were triggered or I did something and like, I want to be able to take responsibility of that. Um, but in the vulnerability that I'm sharing, like this affected me, like that whole, like you, I statements, <laughs> If you're like having an interaction with someone, I think vulnerability is real important because I I just had spiritual direction for myself. (laughs) This is funny. (laughs) I was like vulnerability breeds vulnerability. I think if I can be vulnerable with someone, it somehow disarms them Right. because I'm not coming to attack. I'm literally just exposing. So like in that, it somehow brings barriers down. Mm -hmm. I think with that though, like if, if you make the um, mistake, I guess, of being vulnerable with someone you might not have that trust built up and then like that vulnerability is taken advantage of mm-hmm. or shared or, you know, like those personal things are brought to other people. Like there's more hurt in that because you've opened yourself up completely and then that person like went and shared that. So there has to be that trust. Yeah. Um, in order for you to do that. But I agree. Like, I think it, it disarms the person because they're like, Oh, you know, now I am getting to see a little bit more of like why they are the way that they are because they're willing to share this with me. And like those encounters, especially if it's done with people who aren't going to take advantage of that, like that's what brings strong, holy friendships about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's where like the importance of prayer comes in is like a question I've been asking myself more as I discern things in daily life is like, is there an invitation in here from God? Because maybe I'm having a conversation he's not asking me to have, or maybe I'm not Mm -hmm. having a conversation he's inviting me into. So I think like there's a level of discernment, like, like you're saying, like to know, like, what are the places to be vulnerable, how to do that? Or maybe is it just loving on them or just, um, having an honest dialogue or maybe they're isn't a dialogue that needs to happen often if you move through an emotion and let things settle a lot of the times it will subside and you don't need to confront someone but sometimes you do after but it's better when you're kind of removed from the emotion than like doing it in the moment and that's hopefully what the venting does is helps like remove you from that emotion so you can see more Mm. clearly Mm. I'm curious because we're talking about trust. Like that's something that Fred and I talk a lot about where you have to have trust within relationships, but also trust within like organizations. We got, we had an awesome opportunity to go and do a leadership training for secular businesses. And that was one of the things like you have to have an environment of trust. And so I'm curious, just like, we're talking more about interior person or um, interior growth and interior, interior spirituality, but I think how you treat a a person and recognizing the dignity of the person, like the church should be the place that's doing that mm-hmm. and is modeling that for the world. And I guess I'm curious if you think that's actually happening. Like, is the church the model for how to treat people? I think it's the model, but it's human. And so like, yeah. can we come to an acceptance that we're all like broken people? That's a very holy response because my immediate response is no. And so the fact that you're like, like we're we're human. It's like, yes, okay, thank you. You yeah. challenged yeah. me even in that. Yeah. yeah. I think there are some healthier parts perhaps in the church and then there's some that are are not, you know, right mm-hmm. now and in brokenness. And so like I think, yeah, it depends a lot on the like where or what's going on. So I, I feel like overall it should be the model, yes. And there's ways where it is. But yeah. I think 
our society right now in general is like really broken. And so that's going to impact the little C church, but like the big C church, like Christ himself, like, of course, that's going to be the model what we strive for. Yeah. Kara, I think it's only where we, as individuals, it's only where we look like Jesus in word and thought and deed. That's where we're actually, the church is actually doing it. Right. When they're, um, they're actually a model. Yeah. yeah. How, to what degree are we abiding? It's GK Chesterton. Um, I, the problem with the world is me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm the problem. We should all say that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like how you point that out too. Cause I, I think part of recognizing at least practically, I have no doctrine to point to here, but I think it's true. Recognizing the, the dignity of the human person is also re- recognizing the fact that they fall short too. They're wounded just like I am. They have their own struggles. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to extend the same mercy that I would want because we, we, we're we all struggling to find our way. We all fall short. We all need his grace. And that's that's part of the dignity of the human person too, mm-hmm. I think. You yeah. know, we we need his grace. We need his help. Again, but for the grace of God, so go I. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and he says, you know, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. So I, I like how you recognize uh, the church is perfect in how God created it, the big C church. Mm-hmm. But the members of the church, the body of Christ, were not perfect. <laughs> we are sinners. So there's mm-hmm. going to be um, there's going to be a lot of room to grow in how we represent you know, her perfect church, you know, into the world. So I like how you recognize that. It's a much holier response than mine. So thank you for challenging me. (laughs) No, I think it's good. And I think sometimes like we will expect that from outside the church, but sometimes there's more brokenness in in the church than there is outside in a lot of ways. And so like, I think that can be doubly harming because you weren't like expecting that and you're like, this Mm -hmm. shouldn't be happening. Um, But people are people. And so- Um, it's not an excuse or a justification, but it's just, again, can I reverence the poverty in someone else and and know that right. um, the Lord is like asking me to love um, in places that are hard. But I think in order to do that, I have to tend to my own wounds, whether mm-hmm. it's been inflicted by that moment or it was inflicted before. But he's not asking us to to disregard our woundedness to love someone like I think he wants us to be able to look at that first so that we can love someone um one of our favorite chapters in the I believe in love is the fraternal charity one Mm. and it really gets at a lot of what we've been talking about like how a lot of the people who have been placed in our life or experiences we've gone through like they're meant to mortify you they're meant to help you like die to yourself help you grow in holiness in order to help you get to heaven so I feel like even in those situations where if you're, if you work for the church, like you see a lot of brokenness in the church and you know, there is hope and, and like, we want to strive to help renew it and help fix it. Um, but Fred always says like, if you work for the church, you have to have a strong enough faith not to lose it because you are Mm -hmm. in the midst of the trenches. Like sometimes you see, you see the hardships and you see the hurt. And I think, uh, in, in terms of like fraternal charity, that's supposed to help you. It's supposed to help you be able to find the good in a situation to love better to deny yourself to like get to heaven so it's really up to us in our free will which we do have Fred (laughs) it's really up to us in our free will how we choose to respond to those situations that we see yeah and I think like 
love always has mercy in it and mercy always has love like they they can't be separated and so like even that like going back to like gossiping and all that stuff and or just like hurt like ultimately can we come to a place of of mercy and i think mm-hmm. that's only by god's grace can we do that and it's only with his love like i can't love people like that so i have yeah. to like run to him in those broken moments so that i can love them with his love which is always going to be merciful yeah um, and mercy is attracted to misery so mm-hmm. even in our hardships and our weakness like he all the more wants to speak into that and offer his mercy up to us so even mm-hmm. if there's something we're struggling with he's like turn to me i'm right here <laughs> like mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. yeah yeah, uh, that's something that you know. Speaking of dignity of human, dignity of the human person, that the ability to extend mercy, that's something that's unique mm-hmm. about human beings and all of mm-hmm. creation. Yeah, like a hungry bear is not going to give mercy to the deer that he's yeah. about to chow on or whatever. You I know? mean, they probably don't hold, don't harbor any like resentment like we True. do too right but yeah i mean that it, it's a unique beauty that gets to purify our soul right that we get to be able to offer mercy just like christ offers mercy mm. yeah well i know we didn't get to uh all of the stuff that we wanted to talk about in in terms of how we treat other people how we love other people but we are out of time so um, sister we're very grateful that you were willing to come and talk and i think your perspective is always a unique one and a holy one so we're very grateful for you <laughs> Thanks. maybe we'll have to have sister on for a part two to this one maybe? well you're always welcome you're yeah. like a regular okay. guest <laughs> i love it yeah. <laughs> well thank you thank you